0: Hey, everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Week two in a new series, Money Talks. We started it last week and... Uh, just a real quick little preview. Next weekend, we're going to unveil something church-wide. We're going to make it available to everybody that could be a huge blessing, big benefit to your family. Literally could, if you utilized it correctly, could... could help you, uh, save you thousands of dollars into the future. It is an online tool that we're going to make available to every family here at Brazos Fellowship, everybody who's tuning in that would like to use it. We're going to roll that out next weekend, so please don't miss that next weekend to really help you to get finances under control and to honor God with that. It's always a challenge and difficult, kind of what this series is about. So we started by asking the question, if our money could actually talk, what would it tell us? Assuming it was for us, it's trying to help us, assuming that money could gather from all the usage of it over the years and distill it down into a couple of wise statements to say, hey, here is something you ought to know as a human being who uses money a lot. Now, some of the things that money might tell you, you might say, well, that's not shocking. Like, I know I probably shouldn't have bought that. I probably should have invested in this. I should have done this, but I didn't. Like, I get it. But one of the things that might be the most shocking about what money would say to you is the parallel between what money says and what Jesus actually did teach and what he said. We talked about this last week, that Jesus actually said more about money than heaven. That's pretty huge if you think about it. And I think the reason he did that was because he understood something about human nature that for many people, the news that there is no more money would actually be more devastating than there is no heaven, right? Now, that sounds kind of crazy, but in our modern, like, immediate context, it would definitely strike fear in the hearts of most of us. And he knew that about us. He knew that that would be the struggle and that money, more times than not, money tends to over-promise and under-deliver. And money will uh, sometimes deceive us into believing if we could just have a little more of it, it finally would deliver. You finally feel secure. You finally get to live like you always wanted to live. You'll have what you always wanted to have. You'll be able to have that security and peace that you've always longed for. Money will give it to you. It'll sort of be your functional savior here, but it never, ever, ever seems to get there. You always need a little bit more, a little bit more. Even those that have been some of the wealthiest of all time would say, how much does it take to make a man feel rich or a woman feel, a little bit more. I think it was John D. Rockefeller that said that. Like, you just need a little, if you can just have a little more, then you'll feel like, finally, I'll get there. And this is what Jesus was speaking to, this fact that there's just a moving target here. Like, let me just let you cut to the end of the line here and figure this out quicker than most people do. That it is not going to do what you think it's going to do. In other words, last week we said the first big statement that money would tell us is that I can add meaning to your life, but don't make no mistake, I am not the meaning of life. Like, in other words, money only has meaning when it is a means to an end. When money becomes a means to something greater than itself, it accomplishes something greater than itself. As a matter of fact, that's not just true of money, that's true of anything valuable in your life. Anything you would say, wow, this I couldn't live without X, it's because that thing, whatever that is, it helps you to accomplish something that you couldn't do without it. It is a means to an end, and it gives everything meaning when it can be a means to an end. As a matter of fact, our life personally becomes more meaningful. That is really how you, you live a life of meaning, is when your life becomes a means to an end. When you give your life to something greater than yourself, all of a sudden, wow, life like You want to get out of bed in the morning, you want to do it, you want to engage, you want to go for it, you want to, you, you, there's, cur- there's courage and there's boldness and there's faith and like you want to go, because you see, man, if I could just make a little bit more yardage here, man, it, it creates greater change in the world and I see God moving through this and it, it just makes such a difference. So, to that end, last week I challenged with this question. To what ends does God want your life to be a means? Like what does God ultimately want to do through your life? Every single one of you, everybody watching online, every single person ought to grapple with this question. Wrestle it to the ground. Think about it. Let it haunt you over and over and over. You need to know the answer to this question. What does God want to do through your life? To what ends does God want your life to be a means? Why are you here? What's the purpose? What's the meaning behind your life? god has that available for every single person what is yours because when you get the answer to this question ladies and gentlemen now all of a sudden there is great clarity to your life and your money by the way because it's connected to you all of a sudden everything starts to have greater meaning now you know what it's for this is here for what god wants to do the means through which he is trying to accomplish through us And last week, I shared with you guys early on in our marriage. Leslie and I decided that we wanted to begin to use our money and our stuff to give away a percentage. We started with the benchmark biblically of the tithe of 10%, just saying, we're going to, right off the top, before taxes or anything, we're going to give 10% away. And this was back when we were making no money. I think the first year I was making $7,200 a year wow right like who would marry this guy that that is not a lot of money so that took more faith on her behalf than anybody anyway so anyway we were not and combined it was just not much money but we knew we wanted to honor God right off the top and that's what we did we have always done that but we have seen God use that sacrificial decision to pre-decide we're going to put God first over and over and what we have accumulated over the years are these stories of life change of getting to be a part of what God is doing. Here at Prizes Fellowship, every story that comes out of these baptisms that we do, and hands that go up in the, I mean, all, all those stories are connected to our story because we have given and been a part of what God has done here. We're so thankful, it's so beautiful. So the question I ended with last week that I want you to think about is, do you want more stuff or stories? At the end of the day, when life is over, nobody's gonna celebrate your stuff. They're going to tell the stories. They're going to tell the stories about your life and how you made a difference and how you contributed and how you sacrificially lived for the cause that is much greater than yourself, for a holy God that leveraged you, your gifts, your talents, your time, your money for a little while while you were on this planet to make a difference. That's powerful. And we get to be a part of that. So here's the new statement that money, I believe, would say to all of us starting today Your self-control determines which of us gets control. Your self-control determines which of us, this is money talking, right, which of us gets control. Now for many of us, this whole idea of control creates a lot of pressure, financial pressure in your life. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I bet many of you would say, oh yeah, I'm feeling financial pressure. I'm feeling it this year for sure. I feel, I'm, I'm, I mean, like, it's tight, it's tough, it's difficult. And, and I'm going to say something to you that you may not believe when I first say it, but I want you to think about it. That for many, many people, and this is not true for maybe everybody, but for many people, the financial pressure that many of us live with has less to do with how much money we make and has more to do with the way that we exercise self-control with what we have. It is. It is really more in the how we function with the money, like do we have to have the brand new $60,000 vehicle or can we get just a reliable vehicle that maybe would be quicker and much easier to pay off? Do we have to have the latest and greatest like most expensive whatever thousand whatever dollar phone or can we get the one they got the deal running on right now <laughs> that we could get less, Th- that will still get the same job done? I mean it may not be like, you know, 4K, right? But um, last I checked, nobody in here is making like motion pictures, so it's okay if your movies aren't like the. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, we 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 all start saying, "Well, of course we're gonna we're gonna perform it. We're gonna buy at this low because that's what everybody does, right? But we don't really have to. There's nothing mandatory. You're not. It's not a, an obligatory thing. You have to do this. But we can begin to ask questions like, maybe we could live in a more modest, moderate level that actually would give us more margin. And It's just something to think about because that pressure causes us to say some things, maybe without even realizing it. Sometimes we wind up saying, if only I had more money, because it feels like that would solve a lot of my problems. Well, honestly, if I had more money, I think I, I would uh, be able to fix it. But money would say to you, if only you had more self-control. More money brings more problems, right? I've heard that before somewhere. Um, but and I've lived it. I have know it to be true, so true. But it's right. And so who has, who has control is going to dictate who it's calling the shots. In other words, self-control determines who's in control. Self-control is, determines who serves who. And that's a sobering question. Am I just serving, serving my money? Am I just servicing debt my whole life? Or am I finally getting to where my money is serving me? Like I'm arranging it in such a way that it actually is benefiting and setting me up well for the future. And it's helping my family. And I'm able to give some away. And I know that sounds like, well, yeah, sure, Will, if I could make more money, if I could double my salary, you, you, I'm all in. I would do that for sure. But I'm telling you there are people who make far less Us in this room that are doing this and feel the freedom from it, and probably wouldn't understand people in other places in the world if they knew how much we we make on average in this country. They would not understand the pressure that we live with. They wouldn't. They say it's not the amount; it's what you're doing with it, right? And I know that's hard to accept as an American. Like, oh my gosh, well you don't know because I we're just barely making it every month. I would challenge you to go back and examine. Where is it all going? we'll talk more about that next week. But here's what also money would say to us. It would say, I'm a better servant than a master. I'll go where you send me, right? Money is a great servant. It'll do exactly what you ask it to do. But you do not want it to be your master. It will begin to dismantle your life. Therein lies where our faith becomes so critically important as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want to challenge you to, to be open to what God might want to do in your life, to draw you closer to him through this message today. But God has called us, he nudges us with his Holy Spirit to come and to walk according to the Spirit, as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians five sixteen to walk according to the Spirit. So what does that mean, Paul? Would you unpack that for us? Well, a couple of verses later, verses 22 and 23, of Galatians 5, he talks about it. He says, Here's what it looks like. And I'm gonna use the metaphor of bearing fruit, behavioral manifestation in your life. Here's what it ought to look like. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and let's say the last one together, and self control. Let's say it a little bit louder. One, two, three. All right, thank you, that's so good. Self-control, that's right. Self-control, Jesus knew this. This is what Paul was reflecting, the the teaching of Jesus, is in direct conflict with our deep down, we all have it, insatiable appetite or desire for more. For more stuff, more things, more experiences, more. He knew this would be the struggle. He knew that this would be the place where if we get hung up, Spiritually, this would be it. And what's kind of amazing about this is that he knew that this would be the area, like more than us trusting God, it, it, this is the thing that's so mind-blowing, and this is such a true spiritual principle and rule of our world, but it is easier for many people to trust God with the forgiveness of their sin and their eternity than to trust God with their money right? Self-control is the thing that keeps us from becoming a slave to our internal desires. He's saying, when you give over the control of your life to me, I'll protect you. I love you. I'm a gracious and loving father, and I'm going to look after you. But when you supplant me and put yourself on the throne, now all of a sudden you're calling the shots, and there is no self-control. You only answer to self. Guess what? in your life and in mine, we don't like to tell ourselves no. When you only answer to you, you hardly ever tell you no. Have you noticed this? You say yes a lot to you, and you let yourself just run, and what happens is that not not that you become self-controlled, but you become a slave to a master that is your desires, and you ever talk to somebody who has become a slave to their desires, A slave to their internal appetites. They have become a slave to bad habits. And maybe it's even become an addiction. They will tell you that is a slavery to a vicious master that will never let you have a moment's rest. It will never let you go. And Jesus is trying to help us to see you have a good, loving master. You have a loving heavenly father that you can trust. Turn to him trust him it takes self-control though in his most famous sermon of all in Matthew 5 6 and 7 right in the middle Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 Jesus tells us this about money and this whole principle of letting go he says no one can serve two let's say it together two masters this word translated from the Greek word kyrios which also could be translated lord no one can serve two lords Is defined this way One with authority by virtue of ownership. One who has authority because they own this thing or this person, right? And what Jesus is saying here is that you have not been built, I have not been built, we have not been created, designed to serve two masters, two kyrgios, two lords. It is a crazy maker. It will slowly tear you apart. You will feel strife and dissension, and no peace on the inside of you. As a matter of fact, some of you are saying, woo, you're speaking my language right now. Well, I feel like I'll hardly ever feel peace. I'm constantly feeling struggle and strife and conflict within myself. I would challenge you today to ask God to reveal to you, are you trying to serve two masters? That very well may be the case for you, and that's why, and that's the answer you've been looking for forever. Maybe you've been going to therapy for years, but this is the issue. Spiritually, You're trying to serve two masters. And Jesus is saying, you're not built to do that. You can't do that. It'll, it is a crazy maker. It'll mess you up. And he goes on to finish the verse by saying this. You cannot serve both, let's say it together, both God and money. Now, isn't this interesting? Of all the things that Jesus could have picked, he says, the thing that is the greatest competitor for the devotion of your heart and my heart the thing that can mess you up, the master that will absolutely destroy you, that is competing for the master who wants your life to flourish, is your pursuit of, your love of, your priority of money, possessions, and everything it promises. He's saying, that's the thing that can completely side, uh, turn your, your relationship with God sideways, It can absolutely derail and train wreck everything good that God is trying to do in your life. And what Jesus is ultimately trying to show us here is that until we surrender, fully surrender, all of who we are and everything we have, until we surrender even our own finances, we haven't actually surrendered to God. Until we give all of us to him and everything we have, he is not truly our Kyrios. He's not truly our master, our Lord. And what's worse, what he's warning here, is we have opted for the lesser master, the one that wants to destroy us. He's like, watch out. This will absolutely destroy you. So how do we get started, Jesus? Where do we begin? He starts, it starts with your priorities. You have to start with first, second, Third. Right? This isn't an either or. He's not saying don't ever have nice things. Don't ever, you know, drive a nice car, have a nice house. Don't ever, no, no, no. He's he's saying, no, it's not an either or. It's a first and second. It's, It's a priority list. Let's look together. Verse 33, same chapter, Matthew 6. He says this. He says, but seek, let's say it together, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness before anything else. I want you to set, the, the only way to keep your, your appetites, your desires, your longing for possessions, things, and what it can promise out of the driver's seat of your life so that it is not making decisions for you, the only way to do that is to predecide. I'm putting God first. I'm gonna put his kingdom and his righteousness at the centerpiece on the throne of my life. It is the thing that's gonna drive My decisions, my financial decisions, my future decisions for my kids, everything. My business decisions, it's what's gonna drive everything. And what's so beautiful is that Jesus didn't just teach this, he modeled it courageously, living a life of God's kingdom and his righteousness by over and over prioritizing God and others before himself, willing to sacrifice himself for the good of other people and for the glory of God. He does this over and over and over again. And the verse goes on to say, and all these things, all what things? All the things that you're hoping that you'll gain from this life, all the things that you deep down crave and long for will be given to you as well. Like all the stuff you actually need, all the stuff that your heart actually thirsts for, God's saying, I got you. I I will provide that. It comes down to priorities. You've got to put me first. Would you be willing to put me first? If you do, it's amazing how I can begin to turn this whole situation of your life around. But it starts with flipping the script. It's putting first things that used to not be first. It is learning how to... Seek first the one who created you. Understanding there is a design, there is a beauty, there is an intentionality behind your life, who you are, everything about you, and there's a creator that knew all of this and has a specific and and special and beautiful life for you to live, not free of pain and struggle, but he's gonna be with you through all of it. But you don't, and I don't get to experience it without him first. In other words, you were created, I was created, to seek first your creator, to put him first. So what does that look like? Well, let's start by talking about what it doesn't look like, all right? Let's talk about me first living. What does that priority list begin to look like? Me first living starts like this, is that I get paid, I get resources, maybe I get a windfall, I I receive inheritance, or somebody, I win the lottery, who knows? Whatever the case may be, I have resources that come into my life what do I do with it? I live on it. I'm going to live. I'm, I mean, of course, everybody's got to live. i got to live, so let's live, right? And if there's some left over, I'll save some, sure. I'll save a little bit. I think it's probably a good idea to save. I'll save some. And then and then only, and, you know, if, if there's some left over at the end of the month, maybe, I might give it away. I might help somebody out. You know, I want to be a good guy, a good girl, we, and we want to help people out, but let's be honest, not often is giving actually come into play. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't for most people, but this kind of hit or miss, and when things are lean, it pretty much doesn't exist. And I mean, it makes sense, like nobody's gonna make you feel bad about uh, not giving whenever things are and times are tight, right? And so we just don't. But this is the way the average person lives. This is the way, this is the status quo, this is, this is just like everybody else, right? And this is the thing to which Jesus came to sit down and he says, listen, I've come to flip the script. I have come to flip the script on reality as you know it because this is a perfectly fine way to live if this life is all that there is. If this is all there is and the life we have on this planet and then we're done and we don't, there's nothing else, then oh my goodness, this is, this is as good as any options to live in terms of priorities. But Jesus came and said, there's a whole new reality that will help you to break out of this, me first living, that does not work. And here's the new reality, that I have come that you might have life, and have it to the full, and have it abundantly, and have it eternally, and that you can walk with me, and you can know me, and this eternal life doesn't start after you die, it starts right now, right here. Did you realize that? He wants eternal life to start now, with him, every day. And he came to bring that to you. He says, but with this new life, you're a citizen of a new kingdom and that you are now living not just for God's kingdom but his righteousness so it creates a a whole new upended priority list you have to flip the script and here's what the new script looks like the God first seek ye first seeking God first kind of living first we give right off the top and as I shared for Leslie and I early on this was a hard decision it was difficult it was painful. It definitely sometimes would make me a little nervous in my gut, you know, like, whoa, I don't know how we're gonna do this. But right off the top, we are given a percentage away towards the things of God, to the place where we worshiped, our church at the time. Sometimes God would move us to give above that to other ministries and people to help out, etc. But God gave us stories in return. And it was incredible. And it's as Jesus says, laying up treasure in heaven. But maybe you're looking at, you you say, I I don't know if I could do the benchmark of 10%, but maybe I could do five, or maybe I could do two. Start with where you can, and take a step of faith every six to 12 months, maybe every 18 months. When you can, move another half a percent or a full percent. Move forward, let God continue to stretch your faith, and it'll be amazing to see what God does in your life, because you are putting yourself in his hand to do a miracle. It really is amazing. So we start with give, and second, we set aside another percentage to save, that we're gonna set aside some money for the future, for our kids' future, for whatever may come, a reserve fund, kind of a just-in-case kind of fund for the future, and then finally, number three, is you live on the remaining portion. Now some of you are going, man, I don't know anybody that does that, that's crazy. I will tell you this, this is impossible without self-control. This is impossible without self-discipline. You can't can't do it. We need God's help. We need his intervention. We need his assistance. And he asks us to walk according to the spirit, to to live out self-control, and that's what's gonna be needed right here. But what Jesus is showing us is that when we prioritize God first in the area of our possessions, our things, and everything else, it is evidence, it is proof that he is is our kurios our lord our master it is evidence it is proof of his lordship in our life it shows that he truly is on the throne it's not just words because let's be honest every other area of your life is easy compared to finances like i it's the hardest place to fully surrender to god it is the hardest place because we constantly are questioning, 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 and we've gotta just surrender it. In other words, here's another way of saying it. I love this because it kind of rhymes. You know, I like rhymes sometimes. Telling your money where to go proves money isn't running the show. Tell your money where to go, it proves that it isn't running the show. I love that. It's so true, and if you can't tell your money where to go, then guess who's running the show? Money, right? It is the master. It's what's ruling and telling you what to do with what you have and what you're to manage. It's so powerful that when we begin to implement this and begin to put God first, I have seen through the years how God has used that dependency upon him because it will challenge your faith like little else in this life. To keep putting him first, it will create a closeness and intimacy, a depth to your relationship to God that almost nothing else can do because it forces you, it challenges you to really put your faith in action, to put your money where your mouth is, to put your money where your faith is, to really do it and put it into action. And so I just want to challenge you that you would take this litmus test that Jesus says, listen, if you really claim him as Lord, if he really is the God of your life, then it should be reflected in your possessions, your things, your stuff, your money. And it's so important that we learn to pre-decide, take self-discipline, self-control, to say, I'm gonna pre-decide, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna save, I'm gonna live. It's a flipped script. It's a new way to live. And I'm gonna challenge you to do that. And maybe you have never given before, and this is a whole new concept for you. Or maybe you have been giving regularly and faithfully for years, that's wonderful. And, And whatever place that you find yourself in terms of giving this morning, I wanna present to you a beautiful opportunity that we are gonna make available to you right now over the next couple of Sundays here at Brazos Fellowship. We're calling it the Big Give. And this Big Give is just an opportunity to make an incredible, eternal difference in the Brazos Valley right here in our community with people who are in need and that are hurting and that could use our assistance and our help, especially this year, maybe of all other years. And I'm not asking you to, to give an enormous amount. I'd like to, we would just wanted to pick an amount we're gonna ask everybody to participate at it's kind of the, 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 the price amount you've probably seen over and over at Walmart and at Target, we're asking everybody to give $39.95. <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? But that's sort of the average price for an item that you would see on the shelf at the, the store. And so we're just asking $40. Would you be willing to give $40 to make an eternal difference in the life of somebody else? And what we're asking is that everybody do this. And maybe you look at that and you say, well, I can't, 40 bucks, I can't, I don't know if I can do 40. Maybe you can do 20. Maybe you can do 10. Maybe you can do five. You can do something. Do not underestimate underestimate the amount that you can do because whatever it is, the widow's might right? Whatever you can give, God will multiply. He will bless it. Be a part of this. We're asking for 100% participation that everybody who's watching this online, everybody here in the house, that we would all be a part of this because we are gonna give 100% of this big give initiative away. We're giving it. We're, we're keeping not one dime in house here at Brazos Fellowship, we're giving it all away. Now you may be wondering, well, well, where is it going? Well, let me talk about that for a second. There's three different organizations that we wanna give to that we feel like are doing an amazing job in this community. The first one is On Ramp an incredible ministry that was actually started by some good friends of ours out of Grace Bible Church. They're doing phenomenal work in the community, but essentially, this is an organization that was started to be able to gift cars, used, reliable automobiles to people in need, men and women that, that need transportation. And you know, it's so funny how we forget how debilitating it could be if you did not have a car or a truck that you could just jump in and go places. Think about what that would do to, your job opportunities are only limited to the places that you can walk to or you could bum a ride or, you know, we've got great public transportation for students getting on and off the campus, but if you're somebody who's trying to get to work, it, it's not really the same for those folks in this community. And so we, uh, we have seen people's lives radically change through the gifts of these Vehicles to people who radically are in a desperate need. And like where you can go to the grocery store and all these kinds of things, and especially when you've got kids in school and extracurriculars and all that, you are massively limited on what you can say yes to. And even your professional options go way down when you have to walk in like severe heat to get to work and you're drenched in sweat when you get there. So it just, it makes a radical difference. Well, one of the ladies that, whose life has been changed by this on-ramp ministry is um, Ms. Uh, Jamie Coo- uh, Hooks P- Cooks? Pardon me, Miss Jamie Cooks from here at Brad's Fellowship, who's been attending here for like ten years. An amazing lady, who's one of her ongoing struggles has been reliable automobile transportation, and so. She has gone through a process over this last year with our Care Network ministry here at Brazos Fellowship I talked about a few weeks ago, and just about two months ago in September, she was awarded her car. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you may want to give the Lord a hand on that one. So she, by her own admission, has said, this has been a game changer, life changer. She's got a senior at College Station High School who is a bassoon player in the band, she has never been able to see her perform live because she couldn't get to the concert. She in a car. And now, for the first time, she got to witness her daughter performing live. And what a blessing, with tears in her eyes. Like, what an awesome bonding moment for mom and daughter, for her to be able to be there and to be a part of that. And it's opened up so many doors for her in terms of professionally and where she can shop and to be able to save money by going to places where there's, you know, better prices than to the place that's just right there. And so it's incredible how it changes lives. And I just encourage you to, this is part of what we're given to. For $5,000, we can um, afford a a reliable transportation for someone in our community that desperately needs them. And they are vetted. They are These are people that have been found to be like, um, they are, are deserving of this. They are hardworking people. They're just trying to get ahead they're trying to take a step and this is a huge way that we could provide that and what's beautiful is that Christian Brothers Automotive stands behind these cars for the next year to do anything and everything that's need to be done to the car they're going to take care of it for the first year and so so five thousand dollars provides a car or two to three cars that just are in need of major repair that they're willing to do basically at their cost and just it's incredible to see the kind of heart that people are having well i would love for brad's fellowship to provide multiple cars for people wouldn't that be an awesome gift going into christmas this year to be able to bless some people that desperately need it and have been working hard for it what a cool thing that we could be a part of doing So that's on-ramp. The next uh, ministry here or next organization I want to share with you is BCS Together that works right alongside Parents, or pardon me, families and um, children that are touched by the child welfare system, the foster care system here in the, the Brazos Valley, and they come alongside to provide things like beds and supplies and clothing and all kinds of different things that are just necessities for these families to be able to care for these children that are qualified, good families. That sometimes the one prohibition that keeps them from taking on these kids that desperately need a home is that they don't have the money to buy the bedding and all the stuff that they need. And this is an opportunity for us to step in and say, let's supply that. There's a lot of difficult problems in the world to solve. This one's not difficult. Like, it just takes a little bit of money, and this could solve some incredible problems. And this is uh, allowing us to be able to meet some needs very um, practical needs in our, our uh, community. And the Care Portal is basically part of BCS Together to provide a website for our church and anyone else that if you want to get on Care Portal, you can become a member and to be able to be notified when there are needs in our community that you could meet. That Maybe you have, like I have an old bed frame or I have, um, I've got supplies, I've got clothes, I've got whatever I could give, I could donate and it would go directly to a child that needs them right now. So that care portal is just a way of kind of keeping current, here's all the needs out there, and this would allow us to be able to help them to keep that set up and going here in our community. So essentially what I'm asking you to do this morning is to be able to say this 39.95 whether you can give all of that, or a little of it. Some of you go, $39.95, that's not very much at all. That's 40 bucks, I can do that. And maybe you need to move the decimal point over. Maybe you need to do $400, or maybe you need to do $4,000. Maybe you could, maybe you could sponsor the, one of the first cars. Maybe you could do that. Not everybody could do that, but maybe some of you can. And I would just encourage you to be a part of this. And, and right now, I'd like you to ask you to get your phone out, if you would. I know that not often are you encouraged to do this in church, right? But get your phone out. And I'd like you to text BIGGIVE to 97000. 97000, give. And this does not obligate you to give. This is not putting you on the hook. This is just simply us sending you a link. This says, hey, some of you out there might say, yeah, well, I'd like to give to this, but I wanna do my due diligence and really kind of like look into it and make sure I've got the information I need. Awesome, we're gonna give you links to all of these organizations. You can get all the information that you need, ask questions, etc. but also it gives you a link to be able to participate in Big Give so that you can give. So I just want to encourage you right now, if you would, just go ahead and text that to us. We can send you the link, and then you do as God leads your heart to do, okay? That's all we're asking you to do, and I would love for us to do this Big Give together this year and to be able to really bless our community and give it to some um, much-needed hurt that's going on in our community that we could meet immediately. And, and I just, I know in asking you to give, sometimes that's going to create some tension in your heart. I remember the first time I was challenged to give, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. This feels, oh, this is, this gives me kind of a sick pit in my stomach. I don't know if I ought to do this. I don't know if I can do this. I'm telling you, that is perfectly normal. Let me just tell you, anytime there's a transfer of power going on inside of you, you're going to feel some some tension right anytime you're being yourself is being dethroned and god is being put on the throne it's going to create some tension it absolutely will totally normal to feel like that but god once again i just want to share with you what is money saying to us today first it's saying i'm a better servant than a master and what jesus is telling us today is until jesus is first in your finances he's not first in your life he's asking you to say hey trust me I got you. I'm, I'm not going to lead you down the path of financial ruin. This is a way to freedom. This is a way to begin to open yourself up, trusting me and growing spiritually in a way that maybe you have been stifled. You've been just bumping up against the ceiling. And this, this is a, a breakthrough. This is a ceiling crash through. This is a, a, a breakthrough for you to be able to keep growing. And I just encourage you to, to take that step forward. And here's why. Because Jesus was willing to flip the script on his life for you and I so that we could live with divine purpose and meaning. And he's opened the door for us to be able to flip the script on our life to follow him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 and 9, here's what Paul writes to us. I think this is so powerful. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in the love that we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in the grace of, let's say it together, the grace of giving. Keep excelling in that. And he finishes by saying this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, right, on the throne of heaven, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Do you see? He flipped the script on his life. So that you and I get the option We get the opportunity To flip the script on ours That we get to put him first If he hadn't been willing to do this There's no way that we can do What we've been talking about today It is a blessing, it's a freedom It is is surrendering yourself To the only master, owner Lord in the universe That will make your life flourish Who will bless you, who loves you Who is gracious and kind and merciful You can trust him Here's our application prayer today. Jesus, I commit to flip the script on the priorities of my money because you first flipped the script for me. You are my Lord, my master, my Kyrios. I just want to encourage you today. Would you be willing to pray that? That is a bold, scary, faith-stretching prayer. Once again, thanks for listening.